three, two, one. Hello, everyone, and thank you very much for listening to this episode of Beast Pod, our first live show uh, in a couple of months. Um, I'm delighted to be joined, as ever, uh, by Mem, uh, who is looking down at a lead table, which is as optimistic as his preseason predictions were. Um, I mean, Mem, we're, we're going to start by having a quick chat about the start of the season and the first few games. And, and we were just saying off air that we've been quite impressed with how the Bees have started. I wanted to get your sense of, of how you think we've started the season. Yeah, I think it's been quite a solid start so far. Um, we all know the um, the gaping hole in um, you know in our squad, but I think so far all the, from this games, I mean, to, to play eight games and only lost one game and and be in and around the playoffs. I think it's as, as good as we could have expected at this point. I think particularly bearing in mind, we tweeted out a graphic at the start of the season, um, which basically went off the bookies' odds, which albeit had Chesterfield to win the league, uh, and they're currently in the relegation zone. But we, we did have a tough start. We played a lot of big sides, um, and we've come away with some really, really good performances and, and results. I mean, we're looking back at Eastleigh, a draw at Wrexham, uh, you know, victory over uh, Yeovil, victory over Notts County, sides that have just come down games we may have lost or drawn last season I mean has there been any any sort of key themes you've picked up from the start of the season yeah what, what appears to be um, noticeable is that our away performances um, seem to be we seem to be picking up more points away from home um, I think what's happening with the style of play is that uh, the home games um, we're struggling with a lot, of, a lot of sides to break them down um, that may come from the, you know, the style of play um, working a bit better when we're Know, when we're all going on the counter-attack and, and the other team are the ones that take, you know, the onus is on them to win the games. I mean, that, that was quite noticeable to me from afar in the first few games of the season when we're looking at essentially relying on set pieces and penalties to, to score. It took us a while, I think, to score from open play in, in the start of the season. I mean, what, what do you put that down to? I mean, you said it could be to do with a sort of counter-attacking style. Is it perhaps to do with a sort of lack of creativity in the team or perhaps a lack of a focal point as a striker that's necessary to provide the sort of focal point to our attacks, which mean the other players can have a bit more space around the park to, to thread through those, those through balls? Or uh, is it even just a lack of finishing, uh, do you think? Um, it's a mixture of different things. Actually, one thing I've, lo- I've, I've noticed in the games I've seen this season um, has been the... Um, Moving the ball through the midfield has been very slow, and wasn't I noticed this when I was um, watching the game uh, against Chesterfield, and then I noticed it again, and it's been since then I noticed it that we just we're getting the it's very ponderous getting the ball. So what we're doing is we get allowing teams to get back into position, but against uh, against Eastley at the weekend, one thing I noticed as well was that the, is the wingers um, in that they are. With, we've now got Ekinola and EMC, and both of them are constantly looking for the ball to feet. And I think this is a, something that Curry's going to have to work on them because we've got two, at the moment we've got Shea on one side and Darren Sparks who are both quite capable of going out on the outside and that space has been preoccupied by the two wingers who are literally just sitting there and I feel like they need to be, be like looking to make more runs in behind from the wide areas and to try and, to try and stretch teams but at the moment they're not, they're kind of playing a lot of the time in front of them. Yeah, that, that's always been perhaps something that we struggled with is that real penetration um, particularly in the final third um, and I guess it, it comes perhaps through not always having the right profile of player to make those sort of in-to-out runs or out-to-in runs even uh, in the wide areas I think one of the definite positives though has been has been the form and uh, an output really of Jack Taylor who seems you know we always speak very highly of him on the podcast but he seems to have come back in a really really uh, positive vibrant goal-scoring mood I mean what do you put his, his change down to? Is it a change in, in his style, his positioning? Is it a change to the tactics around him? That, what is it that's getting the best out of him? Because at the moment, he's 
he's looking not like just like one of the best players in our side, but one of the best players in the league. Well, I think part of what's helping him is is the fact that we are moving the ball um, through midfield quite slowly, which means he's getting the ball in and around the edge of the area. And what he's showing is is he's very his, his accuracy from distance is pretty is pretty cra- is pretty brilliant. Um, I mean, he's really running away with the goal of the season isn't he doing his own yeah he is and I think I think, the, I think the key to it I think the key to it is, is that, that style is helping him um, in a lot of cases but I think we have to find a happy medium between the fact that we're giving Jack a lot of ball around the edge of the box and actually moving the ball quicker so that we can get in on teams 1v1 and stuff rather than the moment we're playing like you know like we're expecting Jack to pull something out of the bag you know at the moment and that's what we're relying too heavily on him to to do something special I mean, speaking of, of people doing something special and putting things out of the bag, another key player for us has been the signing of Scott Loach, who um, has endeared himself to the fans, not only with his exuberant last-minute goal celebrations, but also uh, his fantastic keeping behind mistakes. I mean, we talk about a positive start. We talk about you know the fact that we're, we're in a good position in terms of points on the board and, and place on the table. Um, I think last season and the season before even, we were perhaps just a slither of luck away from... You know, or still luck or luck or quality away from uh, from being slightly higher up at this point in the season. Scott Lowe just coming in and giving us that. I mean, how impressive has he been in the first few weeks? Yeah, I mean, he he has made not just he's made a huge, huge difference to the site, and it's really hard to put into words exactly the sort of the tangible reasons. I mean, aside from he's made some brilliant saves. But it's, it's all the other intangible things that you can't really describe. It's like the presence and the confidence that he's given the back, the defenders. I mean, we look a lot calmer at the back. Um, and he's just a bit of a personality. And it seems like um, with, with Cousins, I always felt he was just, you know, a bit of a, he felt like he would want to hide away sometimes if, if he made a mistake and you could see him just wilting slightly. Whereas with Loach, he's so confident and he's he, that exuberance has just kind of projected itself on the, onto the back four. We've got Shea Alexander's looking a different player this season. We've got Santos is, is looking a monster. Reynolds is looking much improved. And even Dan Sparks lately has been improved, improving as a, as a makeshift left back. So I think he's had that real big knock-on effect and he's, it, it, it's, it's, it's infectious that... I mean, we, we said as well last year and even the year before we had a very young squad. I think he's someone who's come in with a lot of experience and a lot of grit and a lot of know-how in this league. I mean, he's been fantastic. A couple of players you mentioned there. We did talk at the, you know, in, in pre-season about some of the players needing to step up. And I think the three you've mentioned, Dan Sparks, Chad Alexander and Callum Reynolds have really stepped up um, and produced some pretty impressive performances. One thing perhaps in the, in the back of our minds, though, is that, you know, we mentioned we've been perhaps on the right side of fortune or the right side of some, some narrow decisions or moments in the last few weeks. Um, and we said we don't want to get too carried away, essentially. We're in a good position at the moment, but we certainly don't seem to be underperforming our results, uh, underperforming our performances insofar as our results seem to reflect our performances. But it's not as though we should be winning games 6-7-0 and we're just scraping by. I mean, do you, do you think that this this form will be able to be able to be maintained for a while longer or do you feel that we're sort of riding our luck a little bit at the moment and we might sort of settle down and, and sort of middle out around mid-table? So I suppose my, my having seen a few games this season now um, I would say actually we look we look really organised we look very organised I don't think we've had a lot of luck I think look, in any game there's always going to be an ebb and flow what I what and it's something I mentioned to you before, you know, before we started recording, was I feel that we're winning our we're winning our games by the odd goal, and 
I just don't think it's sustainable to be winning games by the old goal. And so I think we need to find some sort of killer instinct where even if we're playing, you know, at, at uh, reduced, you know, at less than 100%, if we get a chance that we put teams to bed and we come away with a professional 3-1 or 3-0 or some of that, where even if we haven't really got out of you know, second gear, but at the moment we, it seems that we're having to be at the top of our powers to get all these points and, and, and you know, to scrape a, you know, a, a, the old goal win. And I think that, to me, I don't think it's sustainable throughout the whole season. I, it certainly isn't. I, I, I still think you, we've, made, we've made a positive start, all things being considered. And um, you know, we talked about the individual form of players. The key thing you want any side to be is you want them to be fit, you want them to be hardworking, and you want them to be organised. It's a sort of bare minimum, no matter what their ability. And it seems that those three things have come on leaps and bounds since last season. And on that sort of bedrock, individual qualities being allowed to shine. You know, we talked about Jack Taylor, Callum Reddles, Chad Alexander, Dan Sparks, uh, Ephraim Mason-Clark. Like, with that platform behind them, those guys can not just pull back a goal when we're 3-0 down or 2-0 down, but can actually go and win a game or, or get a result on their own. And in, in terms of performances then, is there anyone that you think has, has stood out either for being quite interesting tactically or what, what sort of things are happening that Darren Curry uh, is doing with the side that, that make us a different proposition to last season? Well, what's, what seems to be the, the general theme is he's, he's played um, two, generally played two very um, uh, hardworking centre-DMs, DM, uh, which to try and allow the wide guys and Jack to get into positions further forward. And that's and I think Harry Taylor and Jack James Dunn have been superb this season, and both teams, that I don't think they've dominated all the other midfields I've seen so far this season. Harry Taylor in particular is stepped up another level. Um, his, I've noticed in several games, his positioning and to, ability to read danger is, um, it's been, it's, it's, much, it's, it's so much improved. He's, he's finding positions and he seems to be, the ball always seems to come to him. The ball goes loose, Harry Taylor seems to be on it. If the ball, if the player, if another player is about to pull up and put a shot out of the bag, Harry Taylor's throwing his body on the line. He has been unbelievable and and I know Jack has taken all the headlines, but if I was a scout coming in at the moment looking, looking at um, looking at potential bargains, you know, around the place, Harry Taylor, I think, would be somebody I'd be looking at, thinking he can he can occupy a couple of different positions. He's big, he's strong, he's fit, and yeah, and he's also looking bigger as well. I think he's been working out. So, you know, I th- I, th- I think that other clubs will start we start looking at Harry as well as Jack. Yeah, I think he's one of those players that perhaps has gone a little bit under the radar, as you mentioned, due to his injury and, and also due to the fact that he plays in less advanced positions and therefore doesn't always get the recognition that his brother deserve, or his brother gets deservingly. Um, I think he was one of those questions that I said in, the, in pre-season where there were a few question marks over him. We know his quality on the ball and off the ball, but he hasn't, for me, hadn't really proven himself. But I think this season he's really done a, a brilliant job. I also think he's very tactically astute. Um, you know, he, he's got a very good footballing brain. He senses where danger is. And sort of, rather than going in and winning the ball uh, in a sort of blood and thunder style way, occupies space in a way that means that the pass isn't on um, and makes, makes us you know, makes their opposition play very predictable and makes it quite hard to beat through the middle. And it's telling that actually last season, particularly late on, we were scoring a lot of goals from, oh, sorry, we were conceding a lot of goals, sorry, for balls pulled back to the edge of the box or balls played through the centre of the park or shots from 20, 30 yards out where players were having too much time to set themselves and shoot. Um, and this year, those sort of goals seem to have, have sort of dissipated. Um, it's, it's a real big difference. Yeah, no, there was actually a big theme of, of the AC game. And I know I did the high five after, after Eastleigh. But one thing I didn't, um, I don't think I really commented on, was the number of times a player looked like on the edge of the box looked like they were about to pull the trigger, and we had two players charging them down and 
of making it impossible for them to have a shot. It was um, that is, but that I've noticed in other games, but especially against Eastley away, there was it was it's very hard now for players to get a pot, get a shot off on the edge of our box now. Yeah, and I think that that's just a huge thing because at any level of football, you know, it's just a correlation between how many shots you take and how many goals you score. So mm. simply put, you want to score more goals, take more shots. You want to concede less goals, concede less shots, and it's really pleasing. That's a tactical thing, but also a personnel thing with Harry Taylor. Yeah. And the other part of that defensive fulcrum has been James Dunn, who I've been very impressed with in in the games I've seen this season. And we've obviously had some disappointing news uh, recently, knowing that he's going to be out uh, injured for quite a while. How big a blow do you feel he's he, he's going to be, or his absence is going to be uh, over the next few months? Because he's someone who's, who seems to have added something that we've needed for a while, which is a bit of bite, a bit of scrappiness, and and again a bit of know-how in the middle of the park, which makes us a little bit less naive. Yeah, no, definitely. He's but like he the energy that he conveys, and he's he's you know he snaps into tackles, and he's got that ability over the first five yard five five meter, like five yards that where he can snap into a tackle very quickly, which I don't think we have that kind of um, agility in our midfield. Um, and so he's going to be. I'm assuming that Charlie Adams will be the natural replacement. And he did all right actually against Eastleigh. He wasn't. He didn't play too badly. But I think James Dunn is a step up from him. And now we found out today, obviously, Wes Fongook's back at the club. And I'm not actually sure that he would. He, he's going to be, you know, shooing for that area. In that James Dunn's out. It's interesting. I mean, I think someone of Wes's ability and sort of disposition is, is always someone that you want to have in and around the side. I mean, it's hard to imagine, you know, the benefits of having him back in. What, what, sorry, it's hard to imagine someone who'd be better placed to come back in. The benefits are he knows the club, he knows the players, he knows the setup, he knows the people around him and they know him. But interestingly enough, like it's his profile and we seem to have gone to a sort of slightly more structured three in midfield with a sort of two sitting and, and one sort of more advanced player as opposed to having a sort of more loose free form three. And he's, he, he for me, if we're using a sort of classical numbering system, Wes is a, your typical eight, really. Um, similar to Charlie Adams, really. Whereas Harry Taylor and, and James Dunn are more of your sixes and then you have, you know, uh, Jack Taylor as your ten. I mean, do, do, you, do you see him uh, being... Uh, do you worry that perhaps we'd have to change the system in order to accommodate Wes or do you think that he could kind of fit in and play that role and, and maybe actually offer us something more progressive actually in, in midfield against sort of slightly weaker sides where we're going to have a lot of the ball and it'd be more a case of breaking them down than soaking up pressure and looking to hit them on the counter well I think he gives actually in all fairness of, you know thinking about it objectively he does give us another option because if you look at the profile midfield player we have, I mean, Dunn, Adams, Harry Taylor all very much do their best work behind the ball. Jack Taylor is obviously a linker, playmaker. Bucard is a sitter, but he's a, a deep, deep prompter. Um, Wes, is, Wes has got a bit different. Wes is the sort of guy that will go past the striker uh, and make runs from midfield, and he scores goals. So I could see scenarios where Darren decides not to go with two DMs and goes with one DM and then just basically flips the triangle and centre mid. Instead of having two two DMs and a, and a ten in front, he has one DM and and two and an eight and and maybe two eights, essentially. So I think I can see scenarios where that might be where we, we where we need to be, um, as a Emery likes to call it, the protagonist um, mm. in 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 the play. I, yeah, I, I agree. I I just I think that at times, even against even against slightly weaker sides in the league, we that's where we've looked vulnerable. Is actually like having a double pivot and a back four. Has really worked well, and I think of games a bit like the, the sort of Boreham Wood game away last season, the one we sort of touched upon as a sort of slightly low point last year. The, the goal we conceded at the end there came from an element of naivety of having players out of position, but also 
that's where we sort of look quite exposed in the middle of the park at times. Like we'd lose the ball higher up the pitch, which understandably happens. And then you're left with a single pivot having to cover a lot of ground to fill in for a fullback or to, you know, even even in progressing the ball, actually, it's a lot harder sometimes to progress the ball um, if you have a single pivot because you're, you, you have to cover so much ground in order to make a triangle with, the, say, the right back and the right centre back and then all the way over to the other side of the pitch. So it'll be interesting to see how, how Dan goes about that. One area of the pitch that perhaps we are uh, lacking, uh, <laughs> lacking uh, someone who is, you know, I guess what we need to sort of put the icing on the cake in terms of our squad has been a striker. Um, I think certain fans are, you know, <laughs> you know, on the verge of, <laughs> on the verge of, you know, chucking on their, their kit and getting down there and, and, you know, trying to sign themselves. They're that desperate to have a striker. But are we talking, are we talking uh, about a certain, um, it's about a certain guest on the, on our show who uh, who is who, who essentially uh, pretty much filled his own registration card out and sent it to Darren Curry. <laughs> uh, I wouldn't like to comment, but I mean to be fair, I share I share all of their views. A striker. Well, first of all, I don't think there's any club in the league that if you said, oh, you know, we're not. There's no club that says we're not looking for a goal scorer. Um, <laughs> but I think we're looking for it perhaps slightly harder than most. What What do you make of? I guess first of all. Um, the way that Darren's gone about that problem early doors insofar as using Akinola um, as, as a nine and, and in some games a false nine and also how he's used Shaq for so far this season and I guess second to that is do you feel that we need um, a new striker to in the next few months to, to really push the squad on so I think he's just tried to make I mean it's a difficult one because I've not actually no, I'm not can't really see how he's tried to get around it I think what essentially he's done is he's tried to put somebody in that position that is just going to try and move centre backs and then we've tried to do a lot of our work around the sides or or through Jack you know and we've been quite fortunate that Jack has been you know in real good form but I did notice a slight difference between the way Akinola played the centre forward position and the way that Josh Walker played it so it seemed to me that we were looking to sometimes hit Josh Walker a bit quicker at the weekend um, and he was doing a lot of runs down the channel, whereas Akinola seemed to hold his position. Yeah. Um, in uh, when he played that position, but I don't think he, Jack, Josh. I think looked a little bit more comfortable playing that central role. Um, and it could be that Josh, with a couple, right, he played really well actually at the weekend. Um, and it could be that Josh. Um, I, he looks like a guy that could score a few goals from that position if, if providing the team learns, you know, when he's making his runs and, and to, to hit him in in that section. The only problem is that we don't. It just doesn't give us a an aerial aerial threat at all. We don't have any aerial threat at all, which means that when we get the ball out wide, we're having to cut back. We're going to have to get used to balls across the floor. So we're going to have to be we have to be more accurate from our wide positions. Yeah, I, I think it's an interesting point. I, I think um, I think I can't remember who said it. I think uh, John Still said that the Josh Walker was one of the best natural finishers uh, he'd seen in non-league, and and John Still. Is someone who's seen a lot of non-league football, and, and actually, if you look at his track record, has unearthed some really quite good strikers. You're looking at sort of Andre Gray and Craig you know, Smith, yeah, and um, Paul Benson, players like that, players who who have had really good careers higher up the league ladder. I think with Joshua, obviously, it's an injury has been been the, the challenge with him. But you're right insofar as I think the aerial threat is important, and as much as we we want to play progressive football and and, and try and dominate games with possession, or at least create through possession in a sort of considered way one of the challenges is that ultimately in most games particularly games away from home there are going to be points where you come under pressure and you need a sort of a release valve um, who can sort of you know hassle defenders and, and hold the ball up and it remains to be seen whether we've got that within the squad an interesting thing perhaps has been you know we talked last 
a while ago about about Shaq, and, and you mentioned that perhaps if the offer was right, we could perhaps look at cashing in on Shaq, and that might be the best move for all parties. He hasn't featured as much at the start of the season, um, and some injury reasons for that. But how how have you? What have you, what are your thoughts around about Shaq and, and how he's been used so far this season? And do you feel that he's perhaps something that we could we could make use of more as we go forwards? Well, I think it's been clear. To me, it's clear to me the fact that we've been struggling for a striker and he played most of the last season as the, as the main striker the fact that he hasn't played is clearly he's carrying something he's, he can't he can't be fit if I, and Darren Taylor ignoring him I can't believe for a second Darren Taylor would keep him on the bench because he's Dan Curry Darren Taylor. yeah yeah Darren who did I say Darren Taylor oh, so he's, he's, a, he's a referee oh, yeah yeah definitely I mixed Darren you know. Deadman <laughs> so yeah but Curry Curry can't be put it can't be putting him on the bench for any other reason apart from the fact he's not fully fit and he's not sharp and I think also that's actually important because I think uh, Shaq's the sort of player I get the feeling that he needs to be sharp um, to be effective uh, otherwise he can be he's, he is capable of like dithering on the ball too much but the weekend was a perfect snapshot of what Shaq can offer us when ball comes to come to him and he responds and he reacts off the cuff and he bangs it in the goal and he's got that he's got that ability to that calmness in front of goal that we're, we're lacking from the rest of the side so it's an interesting one how we'll use him um, and I'm not sure how with the way that we're playing how, how Shaq fits in yeah it's, it's perhaps similar to Wes in, in a way that we've sort of changed the style I think Shaq's Shaq's got many many qualities um, and I think we actually saw him evolve I think when he first joined the club he, he was scoring I mean I remember the Swindling game he was scoring a lot of goals um, what's a, a hatch in his first game uh, from outside the box and actually you know working a space to shoot and then and putting in some fantastic finishes I think he's sort of evolved his game to become a much scrappier finisher and it's interesting just making comparisons to Man United Oli Scholes so I was thinking about Rashford he says the quote he used with them was uh, when he was talking about Marcus Rashford and Anthony Martial as he said you know they're, they're a scorer of great goals but not a great scorer of goals and I feel that Shaq sort of transformed himself from the scorer of great goals to a great scorer of goals for us um, but you're right he's a very instinctive finisher if you look at Brentford last season you know, both goals were fantastic finishes, uh, but very instinctive. You know, a toe poke and a, a shot into the ground does what it needs to put the ball back in the net. But in terms of his wider play over the 90 minutes, you know, is that necessarily what we what we need the whole time? It's, it's an interesting question. Um, and I still don't know where, you know, where, where we stand on that. Um, yeah, no, it's, it's true. And, uh, you know, and, and this is not this is not me sort of... Um, being down the chat because I think he's a really good player. He's a good player. He's you know, an excellent player. Yeah, he's an excellent player. But sometimes that you know when you're playing a system, sometimes there are players that just are not don't quite fit. And 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 I think for the, the right side, he would be, you know, he he would be a really really good um, striker in any side. I think the key to it is, is with this the way the side is. I think Jack wants Jack plays in the areas of the pitch that really that Shaq likes to drop into. Yeah, and that's that's a really interesting point in terms of George Walker is that if we play Jack in a slightly more advanced position, we don't necessarily want a striker that comes forward or comes to feet too much because it, it I mean lets them push up the back line. It also just means that we've got two players occupying the same space and mm. they kind of get each other's way. So we are looking for someone to go in behind and perhaps Walker will become that option as we go forwards. Mm. I mean, at this stage of the season we are probably not in the market for a striker insofar as there's not many markets I mean most of the markets are closed so yeah. <laughs> we can't do you feel that we've got enough though to, to sort of keep our runner form going until Christmas and, and then maybe have a look in January or, or do you feel that perhaps the lack of a striker that fits necessarily the mould of what we're looking for will will cause us to, to drop more points as the season goes on 
I think if we carry on playing the way we are, then we could, as long as we're in and around playoffs, and then around the time when we can actually recruit, you know, in in in, the, in January, um, then that could help us push on. But um, like I said before, I'm not sure we can continue to um, to keep grinding out results like the odd one nil. And we've literally got a goal difference of two, and we've only lost one game. So that tells you everything about you know um, how you know how how tight the games have been. So I think. My gut instinct is that probably at some point there'll be a little fall off in form, and then we might start to move down towards the middle of the table. Um, and I think come Christmas, we're going to then have to probably bring in maybe two or three players to freshen up the group. Um, at least one of them being a striker. So as long as we can be in and around the playoffs and, and don't get too don't don't get too far away from the pack, then it gives us a chance to to you know to to, to strengthen. And I guess lastly then, thinking more about the league in general as opposed to just us, yeah. you've seen more games than I have this season. What, what have you made of the standard of the opposition we're up against in comparison to recent years? We're sort of specialists in uh, conference football. Um, but I was just wondering what your thoughts were in terms of, do you think there's anyone out there we need to fear? Is there any side that you think is really going to run away with it this season? Or do you find, feel that on our day we, we can really compete with the, the top five or six sides in the league? Well, we're supposed to have been playing the strongest group teams in the first eight games, and the games I've seen, I think I feel we're the most organised in terms of structurally, in terms of spaces between players, in terms of how we're moving the ball. Um, and I, th- I don't feel we have much to be scared of um, in this. There are going to be players in the thing, and this is a, this is the problem of having um, that gap in our team with not having a. Uh, the goal score that we can rely upon um, because in other teams they'll be playing shit um, for a game they'll play really shit for the game and then they've got a player in their side who can bang a goal in and sort of win a game for them without you know and, and we don't have a player like that we don't have uh, a guy that can, can come up like come up with a goal like that when we're, we're, we're you know to nick a goal when we're playing badly I think the team's playing really well but I think we need we need somebody who's going to who can pull stuff like out of the bag well, I think overall, I think we, we both say we, we take the start of the season we've had. Um, but one of the things I've really enjoyed listening to, man, is your High Five series, which uh, I think is a great name, but also some great content on there. So we'll keep doing those after every single game. Um, and hopefully next time we catch up in a, in a month or so's time, we'll have more success to talk about. Um, go on. Yeah, and no, I was just going to say, and just to add to that, because I really do um, want to spread the voice of Barnet fans. So if you are interested in doing one of the High Fives, um, if you can um, just tweet me, like DM me on uh, at Memdoza um, at, at, on Twitter, and happily have you. We've already had about three or four people now contribute, and really, well, I want to hear everybody's voice this season. It'd be really good. Yeah, well, I mean, thanks to those that have contributed. It's been fantastic to listen to you when I've been away or not be able to make the game. And I think a lot of people have said they've reached out to us on Twitter and said they've really enjoyed them. So we're going to keep doing them. Um, but Mem, thanks so much for joining us today. Um, we've got a bit of an international break now coming up, so. Um, you can have a break uh, we can all have a break from from, uh, from Barnet but hopefully when we come back we'll be up there again and, and fighting and, and really pushing up towards the playoffs thanks thanks Ian thanks man <laughs>